0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. A
1: couple of armchair GMs who have yet to be wrong with any of their Timberwolves takes. <laughs> right. It's flagrant howls with Phil Mackey and Kyle Teigy. One of the year? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I, you know... You or was me, Monday the biggest win of the year?
0: You sent me that, and I was like, I still, I know it's been an ongoing bit for us now, but that Knicks win seems just a little more important because of the 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 cavalry that they didn't have mm-hmm. and the performance on the road. But um, yeah, I mean, this is this is something that this is uncharted territory for Timberwolves fans that have stuck around throughout the decades of disappointment. Is that every game now in March is a playoff game? Like every game is, I can't even imagine what the state of that franchise and the fan base and my own mental health would have been today if they would have dropped a game to the dirty tray young atlanta hawks on the second night of a back-to-back so uh they avoided a catastrophe last night uh two games in a row now without ant um and more importantly as i'm sure you and i will get into is it's vaulted them to
1: seventh in the west so every game matters Yes, and this is going to be kind of a shorter. Uh, we're we're both. Well, you have an a job. You have to like do your job today, yep, yep. and 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 so we're gonna we're gonna give you like twenty five thirty minutes on one of the most fun games. Cat making his return, and just some of the different uh, storylines within it. But I want to start you off here real quick because we just got done recording Mackie and Judd, and I, Ooh. and and Judd the other day. Judd and I were kind of chirping at each other on an episode because he was saying he just wants more consistency. He wants the wolves to be more consistent, and if you're gonna lose some of these games you might as well just go and lose a bunch of games and be a 10-win team and I'm like wait are you saying you'd rather than be a 10-win team they're underachieving but you'd rather them be like that bad and he was on on this little rant right I said so today I said here's here's I agree with you they're not as good overall as you thought they were going to be but this team in franchise history has only finished above 500 nine times eight times in the era let me think here seven times in the Kevin Garnett era they finished above 500 Last year, and then the one year with Jimmy Butler when when they won 47 games and they went uh, and they played the Rockets the first round. They're 37 and 37 right now. Finishing above 500 in back to back seasons and getting to the playoffs for this franchise is an accomplishment, as pathetic as that sounds like. And the story is not finished yet. They could still, with Cat coming back, playing like he did last night, Anthony Edwards is going to come back, Jade McDaniels is just playing out of his mind right now. There is a chance they could make life hell in the plan and or the seven-game series that they will get to, ideally. I could see them still doing some damage in the Western Conference playoffs if we get that version of Cat going forward. I think we said this the other day, but 34 seasons
0: for this franchise, eight times they won, they won 40 or more games with Kevin Garnett, and then they've only done it without Kevin Garnett four times. So, and you know... Not not to counter Judd, but what I've just never understood is this, this is a frustrating season. This is a disappointing season. But like, I don't know if this is still a restaurant, but when I used to go to Ponderosa, the buffet, I was like, oh, mm. like tonight's Ponderosa night. Let's go, I have high expectations. And then if the ice cream machine didn't work, like you had to kind of change your like, well, you know, the meal was still good, but there wasn't ice cream tonight. You know, and just gotta change and kind of, of pivot and adjust on the fly. It is a disappointing season but one of the 15 best players from last year has missed 52 games. So I think I I, I am a Minnesota sports fan. I'm a diehard Vikings fan and twins fan, but I don't think we are so caught up sometimes in the scar tissues of the past. It's like, you should also be able to adjust your expectations a little bit that this team is going to do something. What did you just said it like that? They basically never do. And they're going to do it with missing their best player. One of their two best players for 65, 70% of the season. So Uh, yeah, last night was, was incredible. It is now tied neck and neck for best win of the season. Um, but the, the cool thing is, is that there's a couple more games coming up that could beat that, right? Like if they can go into golden state now on Sunday against a Warriors team, that's figured it out a little bit and win that game. Um, again, every win matters moving forward. As you look at, I think between four and 12 in the West is separated by three games. That's crazy. Yes. Yes. We'll
1: dive more in uh, for our our uh, Western Conference playoff picture <laughs> update later. The one thing, so let's talk about Cat. He comes back last let's night, and he was man, like the whole the whole thing was a scene. I don't know if I'm with him when he says he said in the Bally's uh, post game interview, and then he said at the podium with the assembled media, he he called it uh, it's a scene out of a movie. Uh, well, it was a Wednesday night game against the Hawks. I, I, I don't know, he hit a couple free throws. So I, I think it probably took it a little too far in terms of like, oh, it's Hoosiers. Eh, let's get to the playoffs and do it and and then maybe a lead movie. But the one thing I noticed with him last night, and i I would like this to continue for the sake of the team, he seemed to be playing with a lot of joy. And he seemed to not be playing with the weight of the franchise on his shoulders. And I felt all too often, you could sense it in the playoffs last year against Memphis, when he gets into his little like anxiety mode and he's he's just sort of causing angst and friction and he's arguing with referees and he's trying to do too much on offense, he's barreling into defenders, there's that version of Cat. And when that version of Cat comes out, guys like me start to say things like, would they be better off without that version of Cat? Like, of course, if you get the unicorn joyful version all the time, like that guy is one of the best players in the NBA. That version we saw last night, playing with joy, having fun, not necessarily trying to do everything and not playing with this weird weight and and this sort of heavy feeling. If they can get that version going forward, it's a game changer for the franchise. Am I Am I sensing this? Did you sense the same thing last night? I'm so glad you brought that up. And I'm so glad you started the Carl conversation at the
0: end uh, because we we probably see a little differently on this, but I think we also see very the same on a lot of stuff. He's just a weird guy. Like that's just like Anthony Towns is just kind of a weird superstar and he says some cringe moments. But I also he's, he's and, corny, right? He's right, kind he's of corny. Cornball. But the one thing, and I think this is why I'm kind of passionate about this, is like I'm also corny. Like, look at my tweets. They're all weird and bad. Uh I wear my emotions on my sleeves, and like I think that guy like you just said, he looked like he was just really happy. And I get some of the criticisms of him. He's never taken this this Minnesota sports franchise to the next level by himself. Um And on the same vein, like, as a Minnesota sports fan, Phil, we don't see guys, like, Carlton Towns loves to play basketball, and he loves to play basketball at Target Center. And we don't always see that. Like, we don't see guys want to be loyal and stick around, right, especially in this market. So, yeah, you know, the movie thing and some of the other stuff and the way he was – How about
1: when he – so the game wasn't over yet. He hits the two free throws, and – And he gets back to the huddle, and he knows at that point that he's not going to be on the floor for the defensive possession. So he's not in the huddle, the scheming X's and O's huddle. And he's just like, big smile on his face. My work here is done tonight. He's (laughs) yucking it up with some of the other bench guys. And then he stares right into the Bally's camera, and he starts like just being goofy. And I'm like, dude, the game's not. There's four seconds left. Your teammates are scheming for a defensive stop here. But it's like, all right, well, if he's going to if he, he's going to be joyful and happy, then he's just going to be kind of the and, goofball who scores 25 points. OK, cool, man. And, and you know what? Just again,
0: because I think it's important. Uh, he didn't punch one of his teammates in the preseason <laughs> and he was not shirtless at a strip club in Colorado. Right. And he uh, is not attempting to single handedly ruin my favorite sport like Trey Young is by playing non basketball. Um, so he's just a different cat. No pun intended. But last night, I think you got to give him his flowers a little bit and just be like, he looked like a guy that was really happy to be back on the court after what was. I'm sure, I don't know, man, I sprained my ankle and I can't run for a week. And I'm like, checked into a psych ward. Like, I, I'm sure he was just happy to play basketball again. And most importantly, and you were on this, like, they don't win that game without him. They just don't win that game last night without him. Um, so a, a big performance from them, a great performance from Chris Finch, uh, and another just historic performance by... My favorite player, Jaden
1: McDaniel. Okay, let's let's get into some of that, too. The, the, the final sequence, right? We went through the cat stuff, but he he drives. By the way, John Collins. He, John Collins, and I, and you know me. I'm not the Homer officiating guy, as I talked to you about last episode. <laughs> John Collins bodied Carl Anthony Towns and then tried to make it. And they kept showing him when they were doing the replay. He's like, oh, yeah, it's clearly an offensive foul. No, you, bo- you bodied Carl Anthony Towns because, yeah. you know, you're three inches shorter and about 40 pounds lighter. And that's fine. Like, he's hard to guard. Um so he hits the clutch free throws and then on the defensive side this is one of my favorite things from the season so far the end of the last two games so Monday night against the Knicks it's a road game you're you know you're you're trying to hold off a 57 point performance by Julius Randle who's a big multifaceted power forward right you put Jaden McDaniels on him at the end of the game and absolutely clamps and confuses this outstanding offensive weapon, and he winds up not even getting a shot off. Right, he just kind of like I don't know, he like dribbled it off his foot or something. So Jade McDaniel's here's the secret. He did this by the way a month ago against Luka Doncic. It was him and Ant against Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving uh, in that Dallas game. So two nights beforehand, Julius Randall power stretch four, 57 point night. Put put Jade McDaniel's on him, shut down, can't even get a shot off. Then they do the same thing on the inbounds pass against Trey Young. Trey Young couldn't even get loose to get the inbounds pass, dude. And then Rudy Gobert goes, uh, you know, skyscraper on the actual shot. But, like, dude, you he couldn't, he couldn't even get the ball to finish the game to put a shot up because Jaden McDaniels is, is uh, clamping so aggressively.
0: You're the first person, I think, that's actually caught that, is that that whole play, come on now, is Quinn Snyder trying to get the ball to Trey Young. Mm-hmm. That's who's supposed to take the shot. And... Trey just gave up. Like if you go watch the play again, he tries for three seconds to get open and he's just like, Oh, actually I'm covered by this 12 foot four wingspan. I literally cannot get the last shot. Uh, and it was just impressive. But then everything about his defense, like you said, Monday, Hey, can you just go shut down the 265 pound stretch four? And then last night's like, Hey, can you now just go guard the 165 pound, like all-star point guard? Uh, it's incredible. His defense is all defense. Um, but offensively too, I think he I think he took 14 shots last night. He's only done that. He's done that three times in his last four games. So he's taken on more of an offensive burden. In the 70 games prior to that, he's only taken 14 shots four times. So since Ant went out in Chicago, we've seen another level of Jaden unleashed. And I mean last night it was, you know, Nas leads the team with 26 points, but Jaden's twenty-five points and his ability to get to the rim and hit threes and do all this stuff was was incredible. I wanted to say, because this has been going on with Our friends Grady and Jim on on the broadcast, but they're always trying to come up with this nickname. Clamps Um, McD. He's Clamps McD. There was a couple last night. Uh, Our friend Jake Graffs had the Shackle from Seattle. And then someone – I think all the nicknames are really bad. But there was another one that was the No Space Needle. And I kind
1: of <laughs> like that. <laughs> I got. I think it's Paul Winkles on Twitter, but the no space Paul needle. Paul Winkles. I used to. I used to intern with Paul Winkles uh, twenty years ago at KFan.
0: Actually, it, it, listen. If if you have been in the Jaden McDaniel's fan club, if you just go to like your your buddy at the office or at the water cooler, and you just say, "Hey, what about Jaden last night?" You are in the club. Jaden's a good enough nickname, um, but I, I just wanted to bring that up. The no space needle is like. That's that might good. be that might be the best one I've had. So shout out to Jake Scratzford for unearthing that. But uh he was great last night. Nas Reed was great. And then not to pivot, but like I kinda want your opinion on it. We haven't talked about it yet. I want to know what you thought about Finch, because I thought Finch had one of his best games last night as a coach. So we'll expand on why. Well, first and foremost, he had that challenge in the third quarter that saved Jaden's night. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I don't know if Chris Finch has ever challenged a play before the fourth quarter. So he saves Jaden and not only does he not pick up his fourth foul, he gets a couple free throws, he only hit one, whatever, but Jaden got to keep playing. But I tweeted it out. They're down like 109-101 with seven minutes left in the fourth. And Finch pulls Mike Conley and puts Torian Prince in and just doesn't have a point guard. And I and the Wolves went on a sixteen to four run that basically stole that game. Mm-hmm. But it was just again, it goes back to one of the, you know, the things you and I talked about all summer. The deepest team this franchise has ever had you can just be like, oh, you know what? I'm just not gonna play my point guard. And I'm not gonna play my, you know, best shooting big. I'm just gonna throw Nas out there. Rudy, Jaden, Kyle, and and TP, a lineup that's probably played like three minutes together all season. And it totally worked. And it was fantastic. So I just thought that and then still, you know, getting Carl back in. I'm sure you and I would have had a different thought today if like he would have closed without Carl the whole time. Be like, well, you know, can you can you can this big two-bigs thing work? And you close with Carl? He closed with Carl. Carl hits the game-winning free throw. So I just thought it was one of Finch's better games. Uh, the challenge was big. His rotations were really good. Um, he didn't play guys that kill him, right? He just he yeah. didn't. There's some guys on that bench now that have kind of folded, and he didn't lean into those. And he trusted Nas. And Nas was, you know, the kind of secret star of the night. He led the team in points. Uh, 11 for 15 from the field. I just thought... I thought it was one of Finch's better games kind of as a manager of of the whole thing.
1: Yeah, you know, actually at the, the end sequence, so he closed with Carl. Uh, I, I like the plan. It was like the first 20 minutes of the game. It was Carl in, then Carl out for the yeah. next five, and then Carl in. And Carl was not on the court to end the game for that final defensive possession. And I think the fact that Chris Finch has now found a way to normalize, hey, we are going to do some random stuff at the end of games here. We're not going to just have this starting five or this yep. group of five on the court. And Cat had no problem with it. Right? It wasn't like Cat was pouting. Cat was literally celebrating, like I said, to the Bally's cameras while the five guys who were going to be on the defensive side were, were scheming and, and drying it up. So if Finch has normalized, hey, guys, you're all super talented, but sometimes we're not going to have Gobert and Cat on the floor at the end of a game on offense and or defense. And if everyone's cool with that, you know, people make such a big deal out of that in the NBA that, oh, if you're not on the court at the very end of the game, well, you know, baseball's been another one of my favorite sports that I've, you know, covered throughout the years. How many times, and the answer is every time, did Jim Tomey get pulled from a game as a, for like a pinch runner or something? How many times do, you know, do slow uh, corner outfielders get yanked from a game and, and, you know, they put a speedy defensive replacement in? It happens. Like, so if, if it makes sense for Cat to not be on the court at the end of the game and Chris Finch has normalized that so that feelings don't get hurt, then that could be big for the Wolves going down the stretch. We've, we've talked a lot about the D'Angelo Russell for Mike Conley
0: trade and how good Mike's been. as just kind of an adult in the room. Um, we've also been pretty critical of Finch. I think he deserves it because I don't. I think overall this season has been maybe not his least successful coaching thing. I just think there's been a lot of weird things with rotations and some of this stuff. And, you know, his ability, inability to, like, maybe get a technical every once in a while to defend his guys. Mm. Um, but mm. something that, if I don't know if you've listened to this one yet, Phil, but uh, Mike Conley was on Ryan Rosillo's podcast earlier this week. Mm. And it's the most we've got to hear from Mike because he is a newly acquired player. But he talked about two things. One of them was just his role in kind of a pseudo-contract year. I know he has another year next year, but it's, like, not fully guaranteed and stuff. But that nothing else matters right now. And that he's telling the young guys, like, it's not about... He had this really cool thing about how, like, if you're averaging X amount of points, scoring way more points to finish the season isn't going to really move your average up that much. It's all about being selfless for the team and trying to get every win you can. But he also had a really cool note about Finch and, like, Russell's like, what do you like about this guy? Because I've heard some really good things. And he was like, he's not afraid to rip into anyone. And the players respond. And he's like, he'll go at Ant and Ant embraces it and, like, fuels him. So... Again, we've been critical of Finch, and I think rightfully so, but I thought last night, between the challenge between a weird rotation to when you're down ten and it seems like the season is falling apart um he he helped them last night just as much, I think as any guy on the floor
1: yeah i gotta I gotta go listen to that podcast now that's uh and, and last night, like Mike that Conley's was the... so cool <laughs> he's just a cool dude, dude that was the thing about this too last night that was the first time Carl has played with Conley, and it's the first time he's played with. Uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker. Yep, and they were all on the court for chunks of time last night, and that's the first time Conley has played with Towns. It was the first time Conley had played with Ant and Jade McDaniel. So they're just kind of piecing this thing together since the trade deadline, on the fly. But, and I've done some just you know digging behind the scenes the last couple of weeks, just you know being back in Minneapolis and talking to some people with the Timberwolves. And one of the main reasons why they brought Conley in, and they knew they were going to have a scoring gap. With Delo going away, Cat wasn't back yet, and they'd have to figure that out. But one of the main reasons was they wanted Conley to unlock Cat even further and unlock the relationship between Gobert and Cat on the floor. And uh, last night, I thought Conley did a great job. There were so many times, you know, a handful of times in the first half where he dribbled down. He's not going to dribble the air out of the ball for 15 or 20 seconds, going to get into our set, and I'm going to get the ball to Carl Anthony Towns. Here, ball is yours on the wing. Go. Yep. Lower block, go, boom. If the ball comes back around to me and I'm open for a three, boom, I'll knock it down. And by the way, Mike Conley, who was washed up, according to (laughs) some fans that I heard from, is shooting, I think, 42% from downtown since joining the Timberwolves. And if his main thought is, how can I selflessly unlock Anthony Edwards, Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, and then when it comes back to me, I'll knock down a floater or a three if I need to, to me, that's the perfect type of fit at point guard. Is it ideal that he's like 36 years old? And, you know, could be the could be like, uh, you know, half these players dad, not necessarily because he's not a long term solution. But th- like last night was if you just watch the game, Mike Conley was a better fit last night for that team than D'Angelo Russell would have been. And I will stay. And even though they haven't won a ton of games with Conley, like I will stand by that take until Conley's contract runs out in a year and a half. I think you and I also have the same taste
0: in players and Conley in his last four games has 26 assists and four turnovers. So he's just making plays and not hurting you, right? And again, I think D'Angelo Russell is just a better fit in L.A. He's looked pretty good down there. But Mike Conley, also since Ant went out, I think he's averaging 20 points a game. So the idea that, like you said, that he's washed or that he can't score, he's just, he's cerebral. He knows when, I mean, I think, again, last night they're down maybe 8 or 10, and he, the momentum was really shifting, and he went and got fouled shooting a a three-pointer. Like, he just knows when to be aggressive and to make those moments, but he also, like you said— he he knows how to speak French, basically out there on the court. He knows how to get the ball to Carl two seconds sooner so that Carl has a little more time to cook. Um and then he also just seems there's there's the wolves posted a photo and I think it's what you were saying. Carl hits those two free throws, he's walking back and he's just screaming, he's so happy. And well in the distance you can see Mike Conley is just looking at him like a proud dad. Like he must just be the greatest teammate to have because he's so happy for everyone else. But uh yeah, they don't win that night last night without Carl. They don't win without Mike Conley, who, again, was perfect from the free throw line, six assists, zero turnovers. Um, It's just, it's it's a crazy amount of talent, and Finch is kind of finding ways to, you know. Mike Conley had no problem sitting most of the fourth quarter. They just didn't play without a point guard, and it was Mm -hmm. proved to be the right move.
1: So looking ahead, (laughs) it's time for the Western Conference Playoff Picture Update on Flagrant Howls. All right, so the Wolves have eight games left on their schedule, five road games, and three home games. So three straight road games here. They're going to play a Sunday, Monday, day off on Tuesday. So it's three games and four nights against Golden State, Sacramento, and Phoenix, four teams that are either aligned or above them in the standing. So this is this is now the biggest road trip of the season. And then when you get back, you get the Lakers, who are right there with you in the standing. So here's what it looks like from, this is incredible, dude. The the, the Phoenix Suns, who've now lost a couple games in a row here without Kevin Durant, the Phoenix Suns are the four seed and the uh, Jazz and the Pelicans are tied for the 11 slash 12 seed. There are three games separating the Suns, Clippers, Warriors, Timberwolves, Thunder, Mavericks, Lakers, Jazz, Pelicans. Two of those teams will not make the play in. Right now the Wolves are tied for the 7 seed, so they are uh, they're two games back of the Suns for the 4, but they're only one game up on the Jazz and the Pelicans for the bottom of that grouping. Buckle up, dude. That's all I if, got to say. If the Detroit Pistons didn't exist as a franchise,
0: the Wolves would be sitting with home court advantage in the playoffs. Like that's that's how close this is. And again, a lot of teams can do what ifs, but the beauty of their schedule is Especially, we haven't even really mentioned that Anthony Edwards didn't play again last night. After it was, you know, he was questionable. Um, But you get three full days off before this little West Coast road trip, um, and hopefully that can get Amp back as well. But these next couple nights, everyone's going to kind of cannibalize each other. Like there's the Thunder play the Clippers, the Suns or the Lakers play the Thunder. Like there's all these teams in that pack playing each other, so the Wolves can kind of sit back. Um, But you're right; it is. uh, Last night might have been the biggest win of the season. This is the biggest road trip of the season. And if nothing else, you know, I I don't really care if you watch the games or not or if you like this team or not, but I think we get a little too caught up again in the scar tissue of being like, oh, same old Wolves, same old Wolves. Not a lot of teams that I've watched or covered or ever have had this like kind of level of heart. And if you're just tuning out because you think the Wolves are going to blow it, I mean, they were, again, one or two shots away last night from losing to a bad Atlanta team, but they just find these little ways to keep scraping by and... I believe it as much as you believe, and I know you've talked about it with Judd as well. Like, If this team can just be one of the 10 best teams in the West to finish the season, I think they're a pretty dangerous out. And we saw it again last night. It's like, oh, we just added this guy that can space the floor and shoot threes and also take dudes off to dribble to, you know, to win the game. So the Western, Western Conference standings is incredible, and I cannot wait to watch basketball these next couple of nights and not have an ulcer about whether or not no. the Wolves are going to win.
1: I'm looking at some of the other schedules here. So, like the Jazz, you're trying to fend off the Jazz and the Pelicans. It'd be nice if those those teams would just go in the tank here. So, and the Jazz keep fighting, man. They beat the they beat the Kings and the Celtics back to back at home last week, and then they did lose to Portland. So they can beat anyone, but they do have They're a really s- tough schedule. Yeah, so you <laughs> say their schedule their schedule is crazy. It's uh so Friday Saturday back to back against Milwaukee, and then at Sacramento, and then they get Phoenix at San Antonio, which should be a win, at Boston, at Brooklyn, Lakers, Oklahoma City, Denver, and Lakers. So it's like basically everyone except for San Antonio on their schedule is fighting for a playoff spot or is like a top of the Eastern Conference. So here's my question to you. Timberwolves have eight games left. What record over these last eight games has you feeling like Ooh, wow, what what record gets them in the play? What record gets them the six or better? What so I think in I these in these
0: 8 games. I, th- I either said this on this podcast or I said it over at my tie to my dad last week, but I thought over the final 10 games the Wolves had to go 5 and 5 to make one of the 10 spots in the play. And, and that seems soft, but again, it's because I had looked at the schedule and it's like the thunder all these teams play each other like twice more and like the mm-hmm. jazz play the lakers twice more. Well, two of those games are going to be Ls for someone. Um so that was two games ago and now they're 2 and 0. I think if they go 4 and 4 over these next 8, so that would make them 41 and 41. They're locked into like the 7 seed. I think they probably need to go 5 and 3 because they still play the Warriors, they still play the Suns. Um so I'd put you at 42 and 40. I think that might be good enough for the 6 seed. But just to make it I really think if they can just go three and five over the next eight games, they're going to be one of the 10 teams to make it. But I, you don't want to be the nine seed. You don't okay. want to be the 10 seed. Let's pick their schedule.
1: Let's do it. Right <laughs> okay. I've been okay. waiting for this moment all my life. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make, I'm going to write this down in my notebook here. All right. So Phil, Kyle. Okay. At Golden State Sunday night, win or loss? <sighs> I'm going to say a loss in that one. Um, Golden State's kind of figured it out a little bit. They've only lost seven home games all year, too. Yeah. I think it's going to be a a fairly hard-fought loss. mm -hmm. Okay, then it's a back-to-back the next night, Sacramento at Sacramento. I'm also going to give that one a loss,
0: and then we'll all melt down on Flagrant Howls on Tuesday Um, because the Kings have been beatable more now, and the Wolves have showed you they can go into beam town and, and beat that team, but I just think, it evens out a little bit, and they lose those two. So I have them
1: at 0-2 over the next two. I think they come fighting back in that okay. back-to-back, and I think they win, I think they win, and they split the back-to-back. And okay. then a third leg of the road trip on ESPN on Wednesday at Phoenix. Kevin Durant right now I think is still doubtful for all these
0: games. I don't know when he's coming mm-hmm. back. If he comes back into that one, which would be, I think, Kevin Durant's home debut. He was supposed to debut, but then the ball boy spilled Gatorade on the floor or something. He almost broke his leg. Um, if there's no Kevin Durant in that game, the Suns are low key bad. Like they play, I love Josh Okogie, but they play him and Torrey Craig and Bismack. They just play a lot of non NBA guys. So I have them winning in Phoenix next Wednesday.
1: Yeah, you know, but there's still something about Phoenix that, and some of these road games get kind of weird. But yeah, it's it's tough. So here's Phoenix's last few. Without Kevin Durant, they've basically lost uh, five of six. They've lost to Oklahoma City. They lost to, well, Milwaukee, Golden State, Lakers. I think you're right, dude. I think it's a win. I think it's a win. Okay. Let's go uh, back home here
0: against the Lakers. Friday night NBA TV next week against the Lakers. Austin Reeves has already been awarded six free throws in that game, and it hasn't started yet, but... Uh, Target Center. According to everyone I talked to last night, like that place was as loud as it was for the playing game, as loud as it was for the Grizzlies game. I think the fans are kind of buying in again. So after a three-game road trip, I think they beat the Lakers, and that's gonna, that's gonna be such a good game. D'Lo
1: back in Minnesota, Vando mm-hmm. back in Minnesota. Um, but yeah, so that that brings us to two and two. It's a win for me too, and I got them at three and one right now. So okay. then then home against Portland on Sunday, April second. I, I would imagine Dame's shut down by then. Um, cause they,
0: you know, you got to look in the win column now, like they're like five wins back of the, of the Wolves. Um, so if Dame's out, I mean, again, the Wolves could, the Minnesota Timberwolves could lose to the Iowa Wolves on any given night, but I think they beat that Blazers team, especially cause they know that it's so meaningful now.
1: Okay. I don't think Dame is shut down by that point. And I think oh. this is, I don't think the Wolves have just like turned a magical corner altogether. I think this is a classic Wolves lose it, lose an inexplicable home game after you've, you, know, <laughs> I like built that. Momentum, okay. So they're going to lose that game. So, so we're both at three and two. Yep. Okay. Which brings us back to the road here at Brooklyn, Tuesday, April 4th. Um, that, that's, that's a loss.
0: I, 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 I don't think Brooklyn is the world beaters, but I just, they, they, match up pretty difficult with the wolves. It is on the road. Uh, I just have a weird, again, like you said, they haven't flipped this switch to now they're the, you know, the 2020 warriors. Um, so, yeah, that's a loss. So I
1: have them at 3-3. Three and three. I agree it's a loss. I think they're losing that game. And then uh, on the road, so you have a back-to-back to end your season after three days off at San Antonio. They're going to win that game, right? If they lose that game, I will drink bleach. Like, I, I don't <laughs> know, understand how the, the, the Spurs are really
0: trying to tank. They have been feisty, but they're starting guys like Keita Bates-Diop. Wolves fans will remember him. They're starting a bunch of guys that's like, if you don't really put the pedal down for that one. So, yeah, 4-3 and three going into your final game at home on Sunday against the Pelicans
1: who may be fighting for a play in spot still because they're right there on the outside. So that could be that could be a big one for it, both for both teams. It could it it I've been thinking about this since like February is
0: that Sunday April 9th at home it's a matinee game against the Pelicans could have some game 82 vibes of when the Wolves played the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. Like that might be a game where one of those teams is playing for the 6th seed or hell one of them is playing for the ten seed. So um that was a fun exercise. What well, I think we're both so you I'm giving them a win. Now, so you're, you're, a win. A win.
1: Yep, yep, yep. So we both have five and three, which okay. means they would be four. Let's see here. 42 uh, and 40. 42 and 40, the ninth time in franchise history that the Timberwolves would have finished above 500. <laughs> That's right. Get the flag. <laughs> and that concludes your Western Conference Playoff <laughs> Picture Update on Flagrant House. All right, we got to run. You got you gotta, a job to go do. And uh, I have a, I don't know. I guess a meeting to get to here. So there's your 30 minutes of jubilation from <laughs> last night's the latest stop on the Wolves roller coaster ride this season. And uh, yeah, we'll probably hit you early next week, Monday or Tuesday, for the next Flagrant Howls, my friend. Good Appreciate stuff. you. All right. Uh, that's a wrap. Your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast, Flagrant Howls. Please give us a five star rating and a positive review on Apple.